Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Six a.m. This is the, we're on the home stretch. So hey, if you haven't been a part, join us for this week and uh, start tomorrow morning. Uh, we're on all uh, platforms, Facebook and uh, Instagram. You can have the opportunity to just join with us live. We take just a few moments. We we kind of have a theme. We read a verse and then uh, we begin just praying. And uh, in about 10, 15 minutes, no more than that, and then uh, we're on our way. But it's just a time for us to set aside, prioritize the first. Time, excuse me, the first uh, few moments of our day and especially tomorrow, hey, it's a great way just to kick off our week together. Well, we're in part three of a series that we started right, at, right out of the gate of 2023 called Life Shift. And uh, if you're anything like me, you know, I really want to see God do something fresh. If you want to maybe call it this, I know many of you have chosen maybe a word for the year. And I, it took me a little while for me to kind of land on a word because there was a lot of words that, you know, I was kind of thinking about and praying through. But there was one that I just kind of took and finally embraced, and it's the word breakthrough. And I'm praying for a breakthrough in a lot of different areas in my life and through our church for 2023. And, and I don't know about you, but I know that there's certain things in our lives that maybe it's a, it's a dream that we want to see realized or fulfilled. Maybe there are certain habits or there are certain you know, changes that we want to see made in our lives. And I know this, that the only way that we can do that is we have to be willing to make some shifts in our lives to position us so that we can really live out and fulfill everything that we desire in our hearts to be fulfilled. And you know, that could be your health. Again, it could be friendships, some relationships that maybe we need to let go of. Maybe we need to start some new relationships and friendships that are life-giving or to help us grow. It might be shifting some priorities so that we can make good on the things that we actually say are important to our lives. It could be a financial situation that maybe uh, we are trying to overcome and get ourselves out of. Regardless of what the situation is, we all perhaps need to make some shifts in our lives. And uh, last week we talked about uh, something that I, I thought was really very, very important. In fact, if you missed weeks one and two, let me encourage you to go and watch uh, our YouTube channel, watch uh, weeks one and two. You can listen to our podcast, by the way, and uh, get caught up. In fact, I'll just tell you right out, right out of the gate, week, week one, we talked about four things that were foundational to help us make, to really prepare ourselves for the different kinds of shifts that we need to make in our lives. Last week, we talked about change ultimately starts with choosing. In other words, if we're going to see change in our lives, we have to make certain choices. And guess what? That change in those choices begins right here between the ears. It's in our minds. And we talked about that last week. And so today, during part three, I just want to, for a few moments, I want to share with you something that I think we all struggle with. And that is those self-defeating habits. You know what I'm saying? Those things that kind of sabotage our lives. We know what they are, but there are those things in our lives. There are certain 
vices, if you will, that we have allowed into our lives. And we think we are in control of them more than we actually are. In other words, we think we're in control of them, but the reality is, is that they are in control of us. And I think today what happens, and I think we'll unpack this even more, is that we begin to realize that, you know what, if we're going to make certain shifts in our lives, a life shift, we have to also be willing to let go of some of those perpetual self-defeating habits that have plagued our lives and have sabotaged our lives and really have hindered us from reaching our full potential in our lives. And again, most of us in this room, we know specifically what those things are. But the question is, is how do we make real, lasting, permanent, personal change in our lives? Well, I want to share right out of the gate, and if you've been around for a little while, you probably have heard me maybe share this story, but it was really the first time that I let go of something that I thought I was in control of, but actually in return it had control of me. And really from the time I was in seventh grade until uh, I was a junior in college, I did something in fact, I'm going to go ahead and put my laundry out, okay? I'm going to let you in on a little dirty little secret. How many of you like dirty little secrets? You're getting ready to hear one from your pastor today. I'm getting ready to go live right here. Let the whole world, 92 countries around the world, guess what? I'm revealing a dirty little secret. Because starting in seventh grade, I started using smokeless tobacco, better known as snuff. In my world, in Texas, we called it Skull, Copenhagen, whatever your flavor was. You know what I'm saying? And I was introduced to that by friends. You know, I caved into peer pressure because I thought it was the cool thing to do. In fact, we used to get uh, our blue jeans and we would put on our back pocket because it was the cool thing to do. And that's how you basically became known as somebody who used smokeless tobacco was by what they call the skull ring on the back of your, of your pants, on your pocket. And so we would even kind of like rub down, you know, that little, that little area in our back pocket just to kind of give the impression like we were hardcore, you know what I'm saying? And so that began, a habit was formed in seventh grade. That carried all the way through until my junior year in college. Now, I had been saved. I got saved when I was 18 years of age. I gave my life to Christ. God did some amazing things in my life. In fact, God opened the door for me to leave uh, school where I was going to play tennis at Baylor University and transferred and went to a school called Liberty University. And God used those four years to radically change my life. In other words, I grew more during those years than ever before in my life spiritually. But, let me just say, I was still being held back by a habit. Again, something that had control over me. And you know what's interesting is that I would try to rationalize and justify and make excuse and, you know, minimize. And, but I was unwilling to let it go and give it up. Until one day when my oldest brother, who had the same habit that I had, God delivered him from it. 
he and I went to a, 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 a basketball game, a college basketball game, and we were having to travel to go to the game. And before we got on the road, we stopped at a convenience store. And uh, as he's filling up the car with gas, I go into uh, the convenience store there, and I bought a brand new can of smokeless tobacco. This was after I had made a confession. This was after I had actually publicly declared in front of a small group of people that I had given it up. I lied. Because I went and I did the very opposite. And so... When I put a little between my cheek and gum, and I got in the car, and my brother and I, we took off. He looked at me and gave me that older brother look, and he said, I can tell you meant business with God the other night. And I'm telling you like a dagger. My heart was pierced. I said, stop the car, pull off on the side of the road. And you know what? He literally pulled the car off on the side of the road. I got out. And I took that brand new can, and I threw it as far as I could, and I've never touched it since. And I'm telling you, that may not, I know that's gross, and guys, trust me, it's not a chick magnet, okay? It stinks, and it stunk up my car, and it was gross, and I could go on and on and on. But that's what sin does, that's what those self-defeating habits do. They stink up our lives. They, they allow our lives to be unattractive. It, it causes us to be held back. Rather than living in victory, we're always living in defeat and we're frustrated and we're, we're embarrassed and we're confused and we're feel, feeling defeated. And, and all of these things the enemy uses to wreck our lives rather than walking in freedom and living in freedom and experiencing the goodness of God like we sang, to, sang about today. So the question is, how do we let go? That was just a small example of a myriad of examples and situations and circumstances, habits that maybe many of us in this room are guilty of. You know, I have people ask me all the time, Rodney, you think smoking cigarettes will send you to hell? Well, no, smoking cigarettes are not going to send you to hell. They'll just make you smell like you've been there, been there that's all. But anyway, <laughs> you get the picture, you know, there are just some things we need to let go of because they're not helpful in our lives. And the question is, is why, do we hail, why do we hold on to these self-defeating habits? Let me just give you four. I'm not really going to expound on these, but I just want to encourage you just to, if you have something to write on, write with. And by the way, our church app is in the process of changing. We're going to be unveiling this more in the next week or two. But if you have access to the to the church app uh, called, uh, yeah, it's called, church, what is it called? Church Center app. If you have the Church Center app, it looks like a little house, it's white. You click on that, you may have to fill it out if you're new to it. But there's message notes on there, and we're going to be switching over to that platform permanently for the rest of this year. All that to say, hey, four quick things as to why these self-defeating habits uh, are perpetual in our lives. The first is because... We've had them for so long. Again, it started with me when I was in seventh grade. 
And for a lot of us, I don't know what it could, what it might be when it comes to situations or, or maybe habits or, or things that you have allowed to, to control you. But chances are, you just didn't start it yesterday. Chances are, it's been something that's been lingering, something that's been going on, something that's been a part of you for years and for years. Another reason is because it's become a part of our identity. I think sometimes we don't quite realize, but some of these habits, some of these, some of these addictions, some of these things that we allow into our lives, once again, that have control over us, over time, it just becomes a part of who we are. It really does serve as a form of identity. It's the old saying, you know, birds of a feather flock together. It's interesting to me how some things even will categorize certain people because of certain things that they do that are not consistent with things that people, that other people don't do. And so, again, it becomes a part of our identity. And that could also be a very really just a destructive thing in and of itself because there's always a payoff as well. I think sometimes, you know, the, the, the payoff is, is that, oh, it, well, I feel relaxed when I do this. Or, or it just allows me to kind of escape from, you know, the stress that I'm feeling. Or, you know, whatever the so-called payoff is, sometimes it's just feeding the dysfunction and the insecurity. It, it's feeding what is toxic in our lives. In our lives. And, then, of course, lastly, it's because there is a spiritual enemy, which I think often we ignore or minimize, but the truth is we have a real devil, a spiritual adversary, an enemy that's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And he has one goal, one mission in, in his objective, and you know what it is? It is to take you down. Just to put it bluntly, he hates your guts. He wants you to die. That's a part of his ultimate strategy is to steal kill and destroy. There is nothing about you that he wants to see win. There's nothing about you that he wants to see be successful. He, he wants nothing more than for you to be a slave to himself. And so you got to understand there are some reasons why we do the things that we do, that we allow certain things to creep into our lives. So in the book of Ephesians, and this is kind of our, our, our core text, if you will, that we began a couple of weeks ago. And I want to read it to you again. Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, once again, is writing a letter to a group of Christians living in Ephesus. And here's what he says. He says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, notice carefully, throw off your old sinful nature... And your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So Paul, once again, was reminding these believers that, hey, you need to understand not just who you are in Christ, but whose you are in Christ. You belong to God. You're not the same anymore. And because you're not the same anymore, because the Spirit of Christ lives in you, Hey, don't act like everybody else acts. Don't do the old things that you were guilty of doing. In other words, we need to throw off, get rid of that old stuff and embrace the new in our lives. So he goes on to say, let, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, 
and stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. And that's not just our next door neighbor. He's talking about our spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us tell them the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. It's what we talked about a few moments ago when it comes to serving. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Why? For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And whether it's anger, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a bad habit, whatever it is, whatever you open the door to, you give the devil an inch, he's going to take over. That's all he needs. All he needs is for you to compromise. All he needs is for you to drift. All he needs is a window of opportunity where he can step in and he can wreak havoc in your life, in your marriage. Listen, in every area of your life. And so we're going to break that down. How do we make these lasting, permanent changes, those hard shifts in our lives? The first is this. It, listen, change always starts with truth. Change always starts with truth. It is absolutely impossible to make positive changes in our lives when we're actually living a lie. It's impossible. And there's a big difference about knowing the truth, hearing the truth, learning about the truth, than actually doing something about it. Can any of you relate to that? I mean... I mean, we're all experts at what has control over us. You know what I'm saying? We're all really knowledgeable about what we think doesn't hurt us. What we, what we know about whatever it is that has control over us, the habit, the addiction, the hurt, whatever it is, the hang-up that we got, we're all experts in all these things. I mean, we, we could be on the Dr. Phil show. You know, we, 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 could, we, could, we could be interviewed, you know, we always say, yeah, 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 I, you know, I've been, I've been, we, we know all the facts, right? I mean, we are informational. We know what we actually are guilty of. The problem is, it's one thing to know about it, it's another thing to actually do something about it. That's why Proverbs 23, verse 23, says it this way, embrace the truth. And hold it close. Some translations say embrace the truth or confront the truth and reject the lies. Embrace the truth and hold it close. Don't let go of wisdom. Don't let go of instruction and life-giving understanding. You know, it's interesting we know the truth. We know that smoking is bad for us. We know it's a serious health hazard in our lives. We know that excessive drinking is not good for us. We know that what I was guilty of, for example, is, you know, 
smokeless tobacco, we, we, like, like that's actually good for you or something because it's smokeless. You know, again, it's got nicotine, it's got chemicals, it's, it's damaging to our bodies. You know, we all know that pornography, you know, is not good for us. We, we all know that overeating is not good for us. We, we all know that gambling is not good for us. We, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on about whatever you want to fill in the blank with. We all know the truth about those things. We're informed about those things. We understand those things. But again, it's one thing for us to hear and to learn and to understand the brutal facts about those things. But again, until we embrace that truth and own that truth and live that truth, we are still under its control. And so we have to understand that, listen, we got to embrace the truth and we got to hold it close. You know why we don't like doing something about it? Let me tell you why. Because that's our little happy place, right? That's our dirty little secret. We want to hold on to that. It, it, it makes us feel good. It's our source of comfort. We all like eating chocolate and, you know, and, and drinking, you know, our favorite soda. And we like eating all of these amazing things as we're thinking about how good it makes us feel, right? Gives us a little sugar rush. I mean, it gives us a little lift. You know, we, we love being caffeinated. We love that caffeinated kick. You know, we just, we just like how it makes us feel, right? <laughs> Until later on, right? We're like, well, how did I put on so much weight when we get on this scale? You know, why am I tired all the time? You know, again, we know the brutal facts, but unfortunately, we like to stay and we like to remain in our comfort zone. Because we don't like how uncomfortable it makes us feel to make the right shifts in our lives, to make permanent changes in our lives, because we don't want to let go of whatever it is that's giving us that false sense of security. I'm going to tell you something. You know what it's called? It's called a self-defeating lie, because that's what it is. And we've got to confront the brutal facts. In fact, in 1 John 1, 8, it says it this way. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So we can sweep it under the rug all day long. And we can swallow. Listen, we, 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 can, we can be puffed up with pride. But at some point, we have to swallow our pride. And we have to embrace the truth. And we've got to go beyond just knowing the truth. We have to actually do something about it. And here's something I just want to encourage you to jot down. Behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie I am believing. And that's a fact. Behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie that I am believing. And can I remind you that the devil, the one who hates your guts, you know what the Bible calls, refers to him as? The father of lies. He is the master deceiver. And so therefore, the devil 
who doesn't like you, who hates you, who has one objective, and that's to take you out, take you down. Well, guess what? He will use whatever he can, and he will deceive you. He will distort the truth. He'll twist the truth. He'll create a half-truth. But let me tell you something. A lie is a lie. And behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie that we are believing. So what do we do? We have to embrace the truth. And we have to embrace the truth about ourselves. We have to embrace the truth about what it's doing to our loved ones. We have to embrace the truth about how it hurts the heart of God and breaks the heart of God. We have to embrace the truth. And you know what? When we understand and we embrace the truth, guess what? Did you realize it's also one of the most loving things that we can do for ourselves and for the people in our lives? It's also one of the most loving things that we can do for God when we actually embrace the truth and choose to actually do something about it. You say, how, do you, how did you come up with that? Well, Ephesians 4 verses 14 through 16 says it this way. And I love how the message captures this. God wants us to grow up. To know the whole truth and to tell it in love. Like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. So listen, when we learn about the truth... We embrace the truth and we actually do something about the truth. Guess what? That's when we begin to grow. Because there's no change without choosing. And when we choose to begin making these changes in our lives, guess what the ultimate payoff is? It's growth. And that's what God wants. He wants to to grow in every area of our lives. And the reason why for some of us we can't grow or we're not growing like we could or we should is because we're being held back by the lies that we have chosen to believe about ourselves, maybe about God, about our past, about other people. And as a result, the enemy has got us trapped. And listen, when you know the truth, the Bible says, Jesus said, the truth will liberate you. It will set you free. So you got to, listen, you have got to decide Spell the lies, and you got to embrace the truth and do something about it. And when we do that, and when we do that, guess what? The byproduct is growth. You know where you go to learn the truth, to learn about God's love? Let me tell you where you go. It's to go to God's Word. I like to say it this way. If you want to know the will of God for your life, We'll get to know the Word of God. God's will is found in God's Word. I love what the Scripture says in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, all Scripture, not just some of it, all of it, from literally Genesis 1-1 all the way through the book of everything in between, all the way through from the Old Testament, New Testament, everything, all Scripture, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us Notice what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. 
And then verse 17, I don't think this is on the screen behind me, but here's what verse 17 says. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You know what that means? That means the Bible. Listen, the Bible, God's word, his playbook, his instruction manual for your life and for mine. If you want to know how your life is supposed to work, well, guess what? Go to the one who invented you. Go to your creator. Go to the one who wrote the owner's manual and learn from him. Because when you learn from him, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. You're going to learn a lot about other people. Listen, you're going to learn a lot about life. Why? Because he is the creator of all things. And here's what's awesome about God's word. When you get into God's word, he shows us the path to walk on. He shows us where we fall off the path. He shows us how to get back on the path. And he shows us how to stay on the path. Isn't that awesome? I think we make God way too complicated. And God puts it way down here on the lower shelf. I love that. Because God wants us to win. He wants us to be not just hearers of the truth. He wants us to be doers of the truth so that we can live in freedom and in victory in our lives. So change, number one, begins and starts with truth. Number two, and I'm just going gonna to fly through this, and that is change requires new thinking. I love what the late, great Zig Ziglar used to say. He said, you are who you are and where you are because of what has gone into your mind. Well, you can change who you are, and you can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. Again, change starts with choosing. And at some point, we have to choose to change our thinking. We have to spiritually renew our mind. In Ephesians 4, verses 21 and 23, once again, it says it this way. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And notice, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. So, in essence, what Paul was saying is that, hey, if you want spiritual renewal, if you want to experience a spiritual revival in your life, guess where spiritual renewal and revival begins? It begins right here in our mind. That's why Paul says in Romans 12 too, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. There's a spiritual word. There's a biblical word for that. You know what it's called? It's called Repentance. And when we hear the word repentance, we sometimes associate some fiery preacher saying, turn or burn, you know, get sanctified or get french fried, you know. You know, everybody's going to hell. Well, it's actually a good word. It's actually a positive word. You know why? Because that word transform. it's a, it's a word, repentance actually comes from a Greek word called metanoia. Meta simply means change. Noia simply means mind. So it simply means that we make a mental U-turn. We do a 180. There is a shift that occurs in our lives. So we stop going this, this direction. We make a decision to stop because we confront the truth. But rather than just knowing that we're heading in the wrong direction, we do something about it. We do a 180 and we go the opposite direction. We've made a shift in our thinking. And as a result, it leads us to a change of life. You know what that's called? That's called revival. 
And that's what we need in America. That's what we need in our world. We need a shift. We need a revival. And it begins by changing the way we think toward God, toward our world, toward people. But tell you something, we need a, re- we need a revival of the mind. We need a renewal of the mind. We need a change of mind so it can result in a change in our lives. And I just want to I just want to add one more little curveball in here. Is this helpful to anybody? Let me share something with you. I know this to be true. I'm guilty as anybody else. Here, here's a little fun fact. I'm no psychologist. I minored in psychology, but I'm no psychologist. But I do know this. If you want to change what you do, you want to change your behavior, you want to change your marriage, you want to change your friendships, you want to change these self-defeating habits in your life that you hate, that you don't want, but you've become a slave to. Let me tell you how you change it. It starts in your mind. Because if you want to change what you actually do, how you act, how you behave, you start over here by changing the way you think. And when you change the way you think, because the way you think ultimately affects, it determines how you feel. So if you're feeling depressed, you're feeling defeated, you feel unhappy, you feel frustrated, you feel overwhelmed, you feel stressed out, you feel all of these things. If you are doing those things and you're acting out in those ways and it comes out in anger, it comes out in frustration, it comes out through the verbal things that that flies out of your mouth, It, it comes out through the destructive, negative, bad, unhealthy choices you make, how you treat people, what you do, what you don't do. If you do these things, it's simply because you're thinking about those things and because you're thinking about those things, you feel certain ways and those thoughts that you have and those feelings that you have are negative, they're toxic, they're unhealthy, they're lies. And because of that, we are simply acting out what we think and how we feel. And no wonder we are caught in a trap of a cycle of dysfunction and we don't know how to get out. If you want to get out of here, then you've got to change the way you think. Because when you change the way you think, you're going to change the way you feel. And when you change the way you feel, you're going to change the way you live. Bottom line. So, just Christianity 101. But anyway, I could go on and on. Philippians 2.5 says it this way. I love how the Amplified Version captures this. Let the same attitude and humble mind be in you which, which was in Christ Jesus. Number three, change requires community. Change requires community. Ephesians 4.25 says it this way. So discard every form of dishonesty and lying so that you will become known as one who always speaks the truth. And notice, for we all belong to one another. 
You'll never reach your full potential. You'll never grow to become all that God intended for you to be by yourself. You're only as good as the people you are associating with, that you are surrounding yourself with. You're the average of your closest, of your five closest friends. So you are only as good, healthy as those that you personally associate with and spend time with. So the question is, who are you associating with? Who are you doing life with? Let me put it to you this way. Less of me and more of we in 23. Come on, somebody. Less of me and more of we in 2023. Somebody pulled me off to the side while I go, and I said, I like that. More, less of me and more weed in 2023. No, I'm just kidding. Some of you just got that. But anyway, more of we, more of we, less of me. You know why? Because the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. You get around healthy marriages life-giving marriages, couples that are thriving, couples and families that are winning, I promise you, you're going to start winning in your marriage. You're going to get healthier in your relationship. Your family is going to begin living out the fruit because you're getting healthier and stronger, wiser, because of those you're associating with. Bible says those who walk with the wise become wise. Those who hang out with fools get into all kinds of trouble. Galatians 6.2 says it this way. By helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. There are 58 one another. It's just in the New Testament alone. 58. Serve one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Support one another. We need more one another's going on. And you know where the best place for that to take place is? Right here. Right here. And that's why I want to encourage every person listening to the sound of my voice to join a team and get in a group. Because when you join a team, you're going to surround yourself with the right kind of people. When you get in a group, you're going to surround yourself by the right kind of people. And guess what? As you are growing, as you're serving, as you're praying for one another, supporting one another, encouraging one another, helping one another, carrying one another's burdens, guess what? You're going to become better. You're going to become healthier. You're going to become wiser. You're going to be stronger. Why? Because we're better together. It's a part of God's plan. We are one body. We're one spiritual family. And Christ is at the center of it. He is the cornerstone. But we all represent a myriad of different parts to the greater whole, the body of Christ. And every person, every part of the body is equally important. Even though we're all uniquely different, we need one another in order to achieve what God has called us to achieve. That's it. 
So as we grow larger as a church, we got to continue to grow smaller as a church. Why? Because that's where needs are met. That's where people become known. That's where people are pastored. That's where life change takes place. So we're better together. Number four. I'll close with this. Change requires the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. I'm speaking the truth in love. You can't change your spouse. You can't change your kids. You can't even change yourself. Only God can change you. Only God can change your spouse. Only God can change what's going on in the life of your children. Listen, only God can change your circumstances. You can't. We can't. But God can. And we got to realize, hey, God is the one who is in control. We're not. And we need the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. We overestimate how much control we have. And we underestimate how much choice we have. Change starts with choosing. Zechariah 4.6 says it this way. You will not succeed by your own strength or by your own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord all-powerful. I love that. And Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. You know, I'm going to conclude with some bad news. You know what the bad news is? Most change doesn't happen instantaneously. It can, and I've seen it, but most of the time, it's a process. There's a Bible word for that. It's called sanctification. And it takes time. There's a maturation process. You know, it's been said that when God wants to make a mushroom... He takes six hours. When God wants to make an oak tree, he takes 60 years. I got a question for you. You want to be a mushroom or you want to be an oak tree? It's your choice. And because we live in this instant gratification, drive-through, on-demand world and society, we want it now. But again, change is a process. It takes time. God is more concerned about your character and less concerned about your convenience. And He wants you to become dependent upon Him. He wants you to walk with Him. And He wants you to obey Him day by day, moment by moment. And as we change, As we change the way we think, things begin to change in how we feel. And over time, we begin to see the fruitfulness of how we live. Because of the change and the transformation that has begun to take place in and through our lives.
you want to see and to experience permanent, lasting, long-term change, can I encourage you today? Embrace the truth. Do something about it. Change the way you think. Surround yourself by the right people. And relinquish control and give it all to God. We can't, but he can. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. As we bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment, I just want to I just want to ask you to do something. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, and you're there watching online. You can even do this, if you're spe- especially if you're sitting at home somewhere. But I just want to encourage you to take your hands right now. I just want you to put the palm of your hands up. Just hold them out, hold them out, and, and just hold your palms up toward God. Just Put them like this. And by doing so, you're simply saying, God, take my hurts, take my habits, take my hang-ups, take my fears, my insecurity, Take the lies. Because I'm turning it over to you today. I'm relinquishing control. I'm throwing off the old. And I'm embracing the new in my life. God help me. Holy Spirit, change me. Free me up to be who you have called me to be. Now as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed for just a second longer, if you prayed that prayer, maybe as a believer, as a Christian today, my prayer is that that is a serious, genuine commitment you're willing to make. And for those of you here today who perhaps you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you because maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. You've never truly experienced salvation and the forgiveness of your sin. Well, can I just encourage you? That's the place to begin today. But it involves, in many ways, the same steps of just saying, God, I'm relinquishing control. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. And you can pray this prayer. Just say, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my life and take control of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, I pray that we will truly experience the life shift that we need to make. So we can walk and live in victory and you can receive glory. 
because of all that you've done in, in and through our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.